this morning, as we move into the Word this morning, I want to talk to you uh, three simple words for the title this morning, and that is, there is more. There is more. And so I'll start by asking a question to everybody sitting out there this morning. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been very excited about something or you've been anticipating something greatly? You've been looking forward, whether it was looking forward to an event or to a place or to something on TV, a movie, it doesn't matter what it may be. And then when you finally get to that moment, you finally see it, you're finally there, you kind of left going, is this it? Is it? Is that all there is? And you're kind of left feeling dissatisfied. You're kind of left feeling uh, disappointed because what you thought you were going to get, it turned out to be less than. It turned out to not be quite what you were hoping it would be. I'll tell you a story. When I was a young boy, my family and I, we loved to, and sometimes uh, we still do, but we loved to, every year we loved to go to the Great Smoky Mountains. Anybody in here like the Smoky Mountains? It's an incredible, beautiful place. And so as a child, we're walking down downtown Gatlinburg, and you can smell Fanny Farkles, and you can see all the stores. You can hear all the sounds of uh, people shopping and the arcades and everything. And as a kid, I'm walking down this, uh, this sidewalk, and I look up, and on the side of the mountain, I see these yellow chairs going up and down the mountain. And I'm like, man, I, a chairlift. It's going to take me to the top of the mountain. I said, I've got to ride that. I've, I've, got, I've, got, to, I've got to go on that chair. I've got to get up there and see what's at the top of this mountain. And so, you know, uh, me and my brother, we start begging our parents, like, hey, we've got to, we've got to ride the chairlift. We've got, we've got to go on the chairlift. You guys have got to get us up there. And I said, okay, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go on the chairlift. And so we get in line, and of course, we're all just kind of just bouncing with excitement, like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what's up there. We're going to get to ride over the chairlift. I'm going to spit and see if it lands on somebody when I go over the street. You know, you're just excited. You're just a kid. You're just having fun. And so we get to the, to the, uh, the, the ticket office, pay our tickets. We get up there, and we, we stand in there, and here comes the chair behind us, and we're just ready. You know, we, we sit down, and here we go. Our feet are off the ground. Next thing you know, we're on this incline. As a kid, your imagination just goes wild very quickly. And so you're wondering, when you come up over the crest of that mountain, what are you going to see? What's going to be up there? We had to pay like $18 a ticket, so it's got to be good. It's got to be something great. And so as we're riding up there, me and my brother are just sitting there, and we're just we're excited. We're talking like, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible to see what's on top of this mountain. And we get over the top. And the bars come up, and we hop out of that chair, and I'm just like looking around. I'm just smiling. Okay, where's it at? Where, where's the big surprise? Where's the big thing? And I see this little store. It's a gift shop. It's got mugs and T-shirts, you know, little knickknacks. Costs way too much money, like $18 for a mug. No, thank you. No, Dollar Tree's got them for buck fifty. And so I, I get up there, and as a kid, I'm like, is that it? Just a little gift shop up here selling some overpriced knickknacks? Is that all that's up here? I was kind of disappointed. I was like, but I don't, wait a second. 
I was so excited. I was so ready. I was, I was anticipating getting up here to the top of the mountain, and, and it was going to be this, I don't know what, this big and incredible thing. And I get up there, and it's just a gift shop ran by a, you know, a teenager who didn't want to be there. That's all there was. And I was like, there's got to be, there has to be more. There has to be more than what I'm seeing. There has to be more than just this, this tiny little shop up here, and I couldn't quite understand. And so very quickly, as any kid would, if you put them in a gift shop, I got bored. And I began to look back down the mountain. And down the mountain where we came from, I could see the stores and the arcades, and I could see you know, the other fun things that I could do. And I was like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's go back down the mountain. I don't want to stay here any longer. This morning, I feel like some of us as believers are in that same boat. You see, we, we paid the price for our salvation. We accepted Jesus. We climbed the mountain of our faith expecting to see these great and awesome and incredible things. And we got up there to the peak of our faith. We got up there to the peak of our walk with the Lord. And then we didn't see what we thought we would see. And we're kind of just going, is this it? Is this all that this walk with the Lord has to offer? Is this all that Jesus has to give me? Is this all that life following God is about? I'm here to tell you this morning, there is more. There is more. John 10, 10, chapter 10, verse 10. You know this very commonly. It says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I have come so that they may have life and they may have life abundantly. Abundant life. Life that is full of abundance. Abundance is defined as having plenty. A list of words that can be synonymous with abundant may be plentiful, ample, rich, lavish, generous, bountiful, large, overflowing, or infinite. So when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give you life abundantly, he is saying, I've come to give you an overflowing life. I've come to give you a generous life, a lavish life. I've come to give you life that is going to be infinite and it's going to be ample. It's going to be bountiful. It's going to be enough. And understand uh, right here and right now that this is not prosperity preaching. I'm not here to to say to you that Jesus wants you to have the biggest house and a lot of cars and a lot of money. That's not what I'm talking about. That's abundant living. I'm talking about abundant life. You see, life and living are two different things. If you look up the definition of life, it'll say that life is your very existence on this earth. That's life, your existence, you being here, you existing in this time frame, that is your life. Living, if you look up that definition, it's just defined as maybe your income or the pursuit of one thing uh, that you hold special. There's abundant living, 
I got a lot of money, a lot of space, a lot of things. I got everything in my life that I could ask for. That's abundant living. And then there's abundant life. A life in existence that stays in a state of abundance. So what is that? How do we get to that? How do we achieve a life that is abundant? How do we live in this life? First and foremost, I need to clarify that abundant life is not glamorous. Abundant life is not a life full of lots of money. Abundant life is not a life where you um, have everything that you've ever dreamt of and everything that you've ever wanted. Abundant life is not stress-free. Abundant life does not have the perfect spouse. Abundant life does not have the perfect house. Abundant life does not have perfect children. Abundant life is chaotic. It's full of hardships. It's full of rough times, ups and downs, ins and outs. Abundant life is like any life. It's chaotic and hard and difficult. However, the difference in life and abundant life is when everybody else looks at you and they see the chaos and they see the hardships and they see what you're going through and they see the imperfect marriage. They see the imperfect children. They see that you don't just have a lot of money. They, but yet something is different in the middle of all that. You're still able to function in a state of joy and peace and patience and love. You're still able to be in a place where you are content and satisfied. You're still in a place where despite the circumstances and the hardships of life, you can still stand strong. That is abundant living. Abundant, uh, abundant life is, is not, is, uh, abundant life is going to be, I don't have to live with all the troubles weighing me down. In fact, all the troubles are here, but I have my strength elsewhere. We're talking about abundant life this morning. I think of the three Hebrew children in the Old Testament. They went through some hard times. Yes, Shadrach, Meshach. They went through some hard times, and times got so tough that they were actually thrown into the furnace. The furnace was pretty hot. It was so hot that it was said when they opened it, the two guardsmen that were standing there said that they were killed because the fire was so hot. They said, throw them in. They threw them in the fire. And they're standing there, King, King standing there, he's watching. And boys, I'll be burned up now, shouldn't they? And one of his guys goes, your majesty, question, what is it? Did we not throw three in the fire? Yes, one, two, three. We threw three. Okay, well, I see a fourth man standing in the fire, and he looks like the Son of God. In the middle of a fire, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of hardships, abundant life is being able to walk in the fire. It's being able to survive in the fire where other people may go under, where other people may not make it, where other people may succumb to fear and doubt and anxiety and everything else under the sun. You can stand strong knowing who has bought you that abundant life. 
Let's move, let's move forward just a little bit. Because what I, what I want to say this morning is this, is that a lot of believers, we get our faith kind of confused. We misunderstand who, who Jesus is. And we misunderstand what he does. When you got saved, did all your problems disappear? No. In fact, you could say some of them got uh, amplified. They were uh, multiplied. They were magnified. Things got a little bit tougher. Things got a little bit harder. When you came to know Jesus, did your life just become one big bubble of everything I've ever wanted? And I'm always happy. And everything is always right. And everything is always okay. No. In fact, it was probably the opposite. When you came to know Jesus, things probably got harder. Money probably got tighter. Things probably got a little strained in other areas. And you began to wonder, wait a minute. I don't understand. I thought when I got saved, I thought when I paid the price, I thought when I, when I, when I did what I was supposed to do, that everything was going to change. And my life was going to get easier. My life was going to get better. That I was going to be, to be this completely uh, different person. This completely different. We have a misunderstanding. You see salvation paying the price. We accept Jesus. He becomes our savior. But all of our problems are not fixed. The only difference is, is that we now have the tools to sustain the problems that life throws our way. We now have the means needed to make it through the problems that we face. Just like when I was a child, I paid the price for that ticket on that chairlift, and I got up there and I'm looking around and I'm just like, is this it? Is this it? Some of you may be sitting here this morning and you're like, is this it? Is this all that Jesus has to offer me? Because my marriage is still falling to pieces. I'm still struggling with this. I still have this problem and this problem. And, and I'm dissatisfied. I'm not content with my life. I have no joy. I have no peace. In fact, I feel like my life has just gotten worse ever since I came to know Jesus. That's what this is for this morning. There is more. There's more for you. There is more for you than where you're at right now. There is more in your life than just where you're sitting at right now. And if I can get you to understand the concept of walking in an abundant life this morning, then you can be able to step out of those doors ready to face what you're going to face, not because it's going to be difficult, not because it's going to be hard, but because you are now capable of looking at it through a completely different lens. Just here recently, now I'm, I'm 28 now, so just here recently, within the past few years, I was up on that same mountain, took the chairlift back up there, and I got up there to the top of the mountain. It's been 20 years since I've been up there. It's been 20 years since that moment as a kid, and I'm standing up there, and there's that little gift shop still sitting right over there. Now, they've added a few things. They've brought in a few different tourist attractions. They've put a few more things up on that mountain to make people more interested, to want to go up there and see what's up there. But for a moment, 
when I got off that chair and I saw that little gift shop, I turned my back to all the stuff on the mountain. And I looked away from all of that. And I looked back out at the mountain range behind me. And when I looked around and I looked at that mountain range behind me, it was a, it was a gorgeous sight. It was absolutely beautiful. I could see the clouds wrapping around the mountains, almost like a white, just cozy blanket, just wrapping around the mountains. I could see the trees. It was in the wintertime, and the trees were completely bare of their leaves, but their, their giant branches were just waiting for the first winter snow to rest on them. It's going to be beautiful when it did that. I could spot different pockets in the mountains where I knew that there was a walking path or a trail or where a waterfall sat. And then if I got close enough, I could hear the roar echoing throughout the range of that water pounding off of that rock. And in that moment, I understood something that my eight-year-old self did not understand. I understood a concept that I didn't grasp as a child. And that was that even when I was eight and there was just a little gift shop up there, there was still a whole lot more than what I was seeing. There was a whole lot more that mountaintop had to offer than what I first thought. The problem was, and the problem with us as believers, is that it wasn't what I thought it should have been. As a child, when I get up there, I wanted somebody to come and just pull this big curtain out of the way and, and reveal this amusement park of fun and magic. I wanted there to just be lines and lines of arcades and, 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 and just stores of candy and toys. And, and there, I wanted it just to be like this kid's land of just awesome. And it wasn't. It wasn't that. You see, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, you may have expectations, but you need to stop and say, are these expectations grounded in Scripture? Or is this just what I want in life? You can't come into your relationship with Jesus and go, Lord, I'm going to accept you as my Savior. And the Bible says you give me the desires of my heart. And so, God, here's a picture of my favorite car. This is, this is, this is my desire. This is what I want. And when you don't get that brand new car in the first six months of your salvation, don't you give up on Jesus because you're looking at the wrong, you're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking for an abundant living and not an abundant life. You're looking for things and for items and for people to satisfy you. When Jesus says, no, I have come to give you the satisfaction. I have come to give you the contentment. I have come to give you everything that you could ever possibly need or want if you look at it through the right perspective. Let me illustrate this further in Scripture. Matthew chapter 4. Starting with verse 18, Jesus is going to start calling his disciples to follow him. And Jesus has this theme as he's calling his disciples of saying, hey, what you're doing, you're doing great at, but there's more. If you'll come follow me. There's more. I have more to offer. And so starting in verse 18, Jesus, as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Let's talk about that real quick before we move on to the next one. These two guys right here, this is their job. This is their occupation. It's not like a hobby for like, like a lot of us. This is their job. This is how they make their living, and they're good at it, kind of. Every time we see Peter fishing, he's not catching anything. So I don't know how good of a fisherman he was. But part of the Bible wasn't a very good one. That's a joke. You can laugh. may not have been a very good joke. I'm sorry. But Peter and Andrew are out here fishing, and Jesus calls out to them and says, Hey, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? Because, right, you know, I, my job is I, I'm a pastor. And if somebody walked in and said, Chase, follow me. I'm going to make you pastors of men. I would look at him and go, what? Uh, sorry, I'm confused. Who are you? Well, what do you mean pastors of men? I, I do pastor men and women and children. I, and so Andrew and Peter, surely they're confused by this. They don't even know what this means. They don't know what fishers of men means, but it says immediately they dropped their nets and they left. Why? Because in that moment, I feel like something clicked inside the two of them. I feel like something registered inside the two of them. There was a moment where Jesus was basically offering them something more in their life. You see, they were fishermen. That was their job, and they were good at it. Jesus says, but I want you to follow me because I'm going to offer you and show you something. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And in that moment, Andrew and Peter are like, is this really all that we're going to do with our life? It's just fish out of this boat? Let's follow this guy. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see the more. Let's see what else there is. Let's see what else he has to say and what else he can do and what else that we can partake in. In Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 47, Jesus is getting ready to call another one of his disciples. This is Nathaniel. How many of you know about Nathaniel? Not many. Nathaniel was probably one of my favorite disciples who gets called. Now, we don't see a lot of stories about Nathaniel, but we have this one little passage of Scripture, and I absolutely love it. I love it. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And I want to pause here. It's, it's crazy. All Je Jesus didn't perform a miracle. Jesus didn't do anything spectacular. All he said was, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael was just like, you really are the Son of God. And it's like, that's, what? That, that, that's weird. That, that's strange. What is it about Jesus that had him so convinced in that moment? And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. 
He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus, when he meets these disciples, he doesn't just say, hey, follow me, I'm a teacher, I want to teach you stuff. He says, hey, follow me because I want to show you more to your life than what you're living. I want to introduce you to a concept called abundant life. And if you'll buy into that concept, you'll be amazed at what your life will look like. And so that sounds great. That sounds amazing. These disciples begin to follow him. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm a logical person. I think logically about situations, sometimes way too much. I think that logically, yes, these guys could have followed him. It could have intrigued them enough that they would have followed him. But at the sight of trouble, at the sight of the first hard time, these guys would have bailed. They would have given up. They would have totally quit. But yet they didn't. In fact, after Jesus ascended into heaven and he left the disciples here to start the church, the disciples would face persecution and beatings and death. And none of them ever turned their back. In fact, they all continued to preach. They all continued to sing. They all continued to worship and to live life to the fullest. Why? Because they were walking in the spirit of an abundant life. How can you have an abundant life when you're being beat senseless or you're getting ready to be crucified or killed? How can you live an abundant life? How can you do these things when you're facing chaos and hardships? It's become a running theme among believers today. Now understand what I'm about to say, I, and I will elaborate, but it's become a running theme among believers today that my problems, my issues have to stay with me in my walk with the Lord. That there are some things I just have to live with. There are some things I just have to endure. There are some things that I just have to go through because it's just a part of life. And, and, and so I've just, I've just got to live with my depression. But that's okay because Jesus helps me through it. I just have to live with my crippling anxiety. But that's okay because Jesus helps me through it. I, I just have to live with my addiction. But that's okay because Jesus' grace is there and he forgives me. I have to live with my imperfect marriage, my imperfect children. I just have to deal with it, but that's okay because Jesus is here. And that's become a running theme among people, is that there are some things that I just have to live with. And I have even seen it misused. Scripturally, people say, well, this is just a thorn in my flesh. You know, Paul said, I've got a thorn in my flesh that's here to torment me. And so my anxiety, my depression, my problems, it's just my thorn in my flesh. You didn't read the scripture then. When Paul is writing about the thorn in his flesh, Jesus, God did not put the thorn there so that he could just live with it. It was put there to keep Paul humble. Because Paul kept getting these great revelations about who God was that people were talking good and great things about Paul. And they were saying, man, Paul is just great, man. Paul is just this, and Paul is just the bee's knees. And so what happened? He got a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. 
so that he wouldn't get all, you know what? Paul is pretty good. Paul is pretty, he's kind of like a, a prophet. You know, he says, great, yeah, I like that. Tell me more about me. No, the thorn in his flesh was there just to keep him humble. It was there to keep him in a lowly state so he could continue to write all for the glory of God. So here's the problem this morning, is that there are people who are battling sinful habits. They're battling depression. They're battling anxiety. They're battling problem after problem after problem. Their marriage is falling apart. Their house is falling apart, not physically, but I mean the home, the family, it's crumbling. Your life is crumbling all around you. You're not satisfied at all in your life. You are not content with any one thing, and you have said, you know what, I just have to live like this. But it's okay, because Jesus is still going to help me. No. I'm sorry, but that's incorrect. You don't have to live with your depression. You don't have to carry your anxiety. You don't have to wake up and be so uh, uh, discontent with your spouse that you can't even talk to each other on a regular basis. You don't have to, to, to walk through life. If I had a, a wheelchair or some crutches, I would illustrate this for you better. But some of you are just kind of just limping through life. And you're, it's okay, Jesus is here. Jesus has got me, you know. Jesus said, I didn't come so that you could just crawl on your hands and knees through this life, miserable, coughing up blood. He said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. It's time that you stand up and walk in the, the life of abundance that I have promised you. You do not have to just suffer and be miserable in your life. But praise God, when I die, I want to talk about this, and I want you to hear my heart, okay? Understand where I'm coming from. Because there are some of the old songs that I love, and I can worship to, and praise God to. But there are some of those songs, too, they ain't got the first thing to do with worshiping God. All they talk about is, I can't wait to die. I call them, I can't wait to die songs. And I've been in a few churches, and they'll start playing, and it's a, it's a I can't wait to die song. Again, I, again I'm, not, I'm not crucifying the hymns of old. I've admitted that I love several of them. But if your outlook on life is, man, I can't wait to die and get out of here, you're not living in an abundant life. I can't wait to die so I can get away from that person. It's not abundance. I can't wait to die so I can stop being so sad and alone. and dis That's not abundance. If your escape from your problems is death, that's not abundance. Jesus already gave you the escape, and it's him. You don't have to wait to die. You don't have to wait until the rapture of the church. You don't have to wait until something else better comes on. He says, I came to give you life. What is life? Salvation. But when you take that salvation, there is an abundance that comes with it. For example, if I brought one of you up here right now and I took, out, I took a key out of my pocket and I gave it to you, what did I just give you? A key. It's not a hard question, people. Come on now. I know at least half of you got out of high school. Come on. If I give you a key, you now have a thank you. You have a key. However, 
that key is going to go to a house. And in that house, there's going to be food. And there's going to be a place to sleep. And there's going to be comfort. And there's going to be air conditioning or heating. There's going to be space. There's going to be more than just a key. But some of us, when we get saved, we get our key and we go, wow, this is cool. Okay, back to my tent in the woods. He says, I don't, Jesus says, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm, I'm giving you more. You have access to more. You have access to more than what, your, than what your life is right now. I am giving you the opportunity to access more than you could ever possibly imagine, but you're choosing to stay in a, in, in a life that is unsatisfied, discontent. You're always angry. You're always alone. You're always sad. You're always depressed or anxious. You're always doubting or fearful. You're always going through the same addiction and the same problem. And Jesus said, if you would just use the key that I have given you, you would have access to so much more. I want to share this this morning. My wife will like this uh, section of the sermon. It's not about her or me. It's about uh, another guy in her life. It's okay, though. It's not like that. It's one of her favorite worship leaders. His name is Brandon Lake. And he has a song that came out recently. I love it. It's easily climbed up to one of my favorite songs right now. It's called Fear Is Not My Future. If you have the chance, whether you're old school, new school, in the middle, I recommend everybody go listen to it. It's called Fear Is Not My Future. If you would allow me, I'm not going to sing it. Lord, Lord, no. Mm-mm. I'm not one of them preachers. Some of them church of God preachers ain't come up here and they ain't just stomp there and they ain't tap their toes and they ain't just pick up right with the praise team left off. That's not me. If I want singing, I got to call them back up here because that ain't coming for me. But if you won't mind, I'd like to read you some of the lyrics from this song. I think they're exceptionally powerful. They're beautiful, and they're so true in what they say. When he gets to the chorus of the song, he says, Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. And he repeats that. But then he gets to my favorite part of the song. And this is what he says. Fear is not my future. You are. Sickness is not my story. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. Death is not the end. But you are. When he gets to the very end of the song, he says, goodbye fear. Goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye pain, and goodbye grave. It's a new horizon. It's abundant life. What is he singing about? He's singing about abundant life, a life that is in abundance, a life where you don't have to carry the shame, a life where you don't have to carry the guilt, a life where there's no caring depression, there's no caring or anxiety. This morning, if you are struggling and suffering through any of that, can I tell you there is more? You don't have to carry it. 
You don't have to walk through life like that. You don't have to just, you know what, it's okay, I've got it, I'll just deal with it, I'll bear with it, it's okay. No, that's not what you have to do. In Matthew 11, Jesus even says this. He says in verse 28, come to me. He's not asking, he's telling you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First off, let me explain. He's not talking about an egg yolk. That's not what he's talking about. If you have ever believed that, it's okay. We all have at some point. It's not an egg yolk. It's the yolk of an oxen. It is the harness that they would set on the shoulders of the ox to, to plow the fields. And the reason you had to put it on an ox was because it was heavy. It was hard. It was hard to pull that thing through that field. Because you would hit rocks, you would hit roots, you would hit everything else, and it would just, that's why they said, we're going to put it on the ox. Let, let him pull it. He ain't going to have no problem. He, he, can, he, can, he can plow that field. But if you had to do it, it was hard. It was difficult. It wasn't easy. And Jesus says, no, listen, stop trying to plow the field of your life in your own power. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Stop trying to make it through life without me. You can't say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, and then put Jesus on the sidelines to spectate your life. Jesus clearly says, hey, you've got to come to me. You're not going to make it in your own power. You're not going to make it in your own strength, in your own ways. But if you will come to me, and if you will put your burden on me, put your hardships on me, the, 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 the depression, the anxiety, the addictions, the, the, the bad marriage, the lost the children that aren't in church, if you'll put everything on my shoulders, I'll give you rest. Some of you can't even sleep at night. You lay in bed and your eyes are wide awake because you are so gnarled up in your anxiety about money. Or you're gnarled up in your anxiety about life. But you can't even rest. You can't even close your eyes. You can't even relax. You can't enjoy your life. It's like I said earlier. What is an abundant life? It's a life that's in absolute chaos. It's a life that's in hardship, but at the very middle of it all, you're able to look at it through a different perspective and go, you know what, it's okay, because God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of it. When things don't go your way, when things happen differently than how you would have envisioned it, God's got it. God's going to take care of it. When I say to you that there is more, I'm not promising you checks in the mail. I'm not promising you that God is going to just uh, 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 
open up the door for the, 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 the biggest house and the best house in the market for you tomorrow. I'm not saying that God is going to just come in and give you the nicest car that you could ever imagine. I'm not saying that you're going to have a bunch of stuff and a bunch of things. But when I say that there is more, I say that there is more that you can finally, finally walk in freedom. You can walk in peace. You can walk in joy. When's the last time one of you just walked in joy? That you felt joy? That you laughed? That you smiled? When's the last time that you felt the joy of the Lord? When's the last time any of you felt peace? And your mind wasn't always worried or stressed. You weren't always just freaking out at the the, the next thing that could possibly go wrong, but you could have peace. When was the last time that you didn't have to battle the addiction of your life and you didn't cave into it again and again? I guess I just have to live with it. It's a lie I used to buy into. I just got to live with it. It's just a part of my life. No, there's more. There is a life that is so abundant. There is an opportunity in front of you that is so rich, so vast, so wonderful. All you've got to do is just take it. Take control, take access of it. If you will, stand with me this morning. It's okay, we'll try and get you out of here for lunch soon. If you're stressing about lunch, don't. The Baptist already beat you to it. Sorry. But to live a life that is full of the richness and the goodness of God, I myself struggle with that. I have faced discontentment. Now understand, my life is good. I've got a great wife. I've got two great kids. I've got a great job, a house, two vehicles, not a lot of debt, money. We're doing okay. We're not rich, but we're doing okay. And I've still sat there in my chair, and I've just been discontent with my life. And it's like, There's got to be more. But more stuff wasn't going to solve it. Because I've gotten extra money. Didn't solve it. I've gotten some alone time. Been away from the family for a while. Didn't solve it. At the end of the day, only one thing has ever fixed my dissatisfaction, my discontentment. The problems that I go through, and that is the abundance that God has offered me. This isn't some breakthrough message. This isn't some message that is, you know, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to blow my shofar and we're just going to, everybody's just going to take off running and jumping. No, this is more of a, this is more of a different kind of an altar call. This is more of a, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, 
If you're tired of going through your life and just, it's never going to get better, it's never going to improve, I'm tired of having this attitude and living like this, and and I've been going through this for I don't know how long, and I just want to access the abundance of God that he has promised me, can I tell you how to do it? You don't, you, don't, you don't even need a prophet to pray for you. An evangelist, man or woman of God, you don't need my lay hands on you. All you've got to do is change your perspective. Isn't it amazing what a change of perspective will do? Isn't it amazing when we take our eyes off the storm, we place our eyes on the Lord, how our, how our perspective changes and when our perspective changes the atmosphere in our lives changed can i tell you a story in the bible that will validate what i just said you know this story there was a disciple named peter in a storm and there was a man named jesus walking across the water and peter called out to him and said lord if it's you ask me to come out there to you jesus said come Come to me. And as long as Peter's perspective was on Jesus, the storm couldn't face him. The water couldn't drown him. The lightning couldn't hit him. The wind couldn't knock him over. But when his perspective shifted to the storm, what happened? He began to sink. And he cried out as he began to sink. He said, Jesus! Jesus grabbed him and he said, you have little faith. Why did you take your eyes off of me? Why did you, why did your perspective go from me to the storm? When our perspective gets back on the Lord and his goodness and his faithfulness, it's amazing how our life can change and shift in a moment. I shared the story in Sunday school. I'll share it again. I am a man who hates inconveniences. My patience is very thin at times. My anger can be fierce. It is a weakness of mine. And it is something that I have to practice self-control over. And so I remember when Hope and I, we were engaged and I was staying with her family And we were going to get up early the next morning and we were going to go visit uh, her sister for Thanksgiving. We were going to try and get there around lunchtime. And so they wanted to get up extra early in the morning. And I mean like early in the morning. Because we had to leave. It's a long drive. And so I got up early, just tired, wanted to sleep in. I like sleep. Went to sleep in, but I got up early, got ready. And they had said the night before, we're going to try and leave by this time. Well, we got to that time, wasn't nobody ready. Well, the two men in the house were ready. I'll put it like that. Where's all my men at, amen? Hey, can I just say this? Men, we will be ready to go except for our shoes because we don't want to wear shoes just yet. And our wife will come in after 30 minutes or five minutes 
and go, I can't believe you're not ready. Where are your shoes? And you're like, excuse me. You said five minutes, 30 minutes ago, ma'am. But nobody was ready to go just yet, and so we were late in leaving. And I got annoyed by that. It bothered me. Like I said, I hate inconvenience. It bothered me. So I was frustrated. But as we get on the road, finally, we get on the road, and Hope's dad makes this comment. First time I'd ever heard anybody say it. Because they were talking about how we were going to be late getting there. And he said, well, you never know what the Lord might have been keeping us from. And I was like, what do you mean? It's all about perspective. Yeah, we could have focused on, yeah, we're going to be late. Lunch is going to be cold. It's not going to be good. We're late. Now I got a floor and I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. Instead, hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're late. Because you may have been keeping us from a car wreck. Something, there might have been a high-speed chase and we could have gotten caught up in it. I don't know. But hey, thank you anyways. I started working for my dad-in-law. He'd be out there building houses, doing remodel work of any kind. We'd make a mistake, big or small, make a mistake. It'd be frustrating because now you got to tear it down and redo it. You know what my dad-in-law would say? Say, praise the Lord anyway. And for the longest time, I couldn't comprehend. Why is he talking like that? And when we got to talking about it over the couple of years that I worked with them, it's very simple stuff. And I'm like, man, this is profound to be so simple. But if you always focus on the bad and the negative, guess what's always going to follow you? But if I change my perspective and I keep it on the Lord, I can walk in the abundance of life that he's promised me. So this is what I want to do this morning. This is not a, hey, I'm going to pray for you and you're just going to fall out on the floor. We're going to run the aisles kind of altar call. This is a you and Jesus altar call. And I'm going to open up these altars and if anybody would like to come, I want you to come and I want you to have a moment with the Lord where you simply say, God, I'm going to change my perspective because I want to walk in the abundance and the more that you have to offer. Again, there's no secret. There's no secret sauce, no recipe. There's nothing I'm not telling you. It's like the key. If I give you the key and you only look at it as a key, that's all it will be to you is a key. But if you look at it as access to more, guess what? It's going to access you to more. Don't just look at Jesus as just the one who saved your soul so you could go to heaven. Because if that's, if that's all you see Jesus as is the one who died for me so I can go to heaven, that's all he'll be. Are you following me? But if you're sick, 
and you say, Jesus, you're not just my Savior, but you're my healer, guess what he'll be? If money's getting tight, food's running out, and all you see Jesus as is a Savior, but if you say, Jesus, you're not just my Savior, but you're my provider, guess what he'll be? When depression tries to come and sit in, and you feel all alone, you say, Jesus, you're not just my Savior, but you're my comfort. Guess what he'll be? Are you following me? Jesus will be everything you need him to be. You just have to allow the access. You have to shift your perspective to that. This is what I want to do now then. Father, the words have been spoken. I've said what I needed to say. I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to move hearts, to change minds, to strengthen spirits. Father, I pray that you would just use this moment in your presence to help those that are in need. In Jesus' name, if that's you, I want you to come now. These altars are open. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for everyone in this room. God, I thank you that these words will not fall on death ears, but they will go and be in the hearts and the minds of the people. And I thank you and I praise you for you are so good. You are a good father. Fear is not who we belong to. Sickness is not our destiny. The, the worries and the troubles of this world are not, that's not who we are. But there is more in you. And Father, I pray that each of us can access that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, thank you. I pray that God be with you. I pray His Holy Spirit go with you. And in, in honor of Pastor Lot, go give that devil fits this week. <laughs>